We have 14 chapters in Zechariah to look at tonight, so we're going to be moving right along. Zechariah literally means the Lord remembers. We have a call to repentance, eight night visions, some dialogue on the high priest, and we look at Israel's future. Zechariah is a contemporary of the prophet Haggai, and our prophecy tonight is both exhortation and encouragement. You turn your sheets over to the second page. We'll read through the notes again. Zechariah is a call to repentance to a people who have fallen away from the Lord in their worship and obedience of him, having forgotten his great faithfulness to them desirous for Israel to finish the rebuilding of the temple and to renew their covenant agreement with him, he encourages them with what he has done for them, what he is doing, and what he has promised to do for them in the future. The prophecy ends with a look to the day of the Lord, where after God has defeated all of Israel's enemies, a fully restored Israel will forever dwell in peace in the promised land with the Lord himself reigning eternally as their king. In chapters 1 to 6, eight night visions show God, jealous over Jerusalem and Zion, actively restoring Israel, removing iniquity, bringing forth Messiah, and returning to dwell once more in his temple. The Lord will restore joy and gladness to his people's worship in chapters 7 and 8. Chapters 9 and 10 speak of the Lord casting down Israel's enemies, Messiah's entering Jerusalem, and his blessings to follow. Though chapter 11 reminds Israel of the rejection of the Lord's Christ at his first coming, and of the curse this brought on, chapters 12 to 14 show their acceptance of him at his second coming when he comes to reign in his temple with them. All the world will come to Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord of hosts. In Jerusalem and in Judah shall be holiness, with no uncleanness to be found there. Let's look at the first chapter of Zechariah. I want to read the first six verses to show us the introduction to the eight night visions that we'll look at first. Chapter 1, verses 1 to 6. In the eighth month, in the second year of Darius, came the word of the Lord unto Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, the son of Iddo, the prophet, saying, The Lord hath been sore displeased with your fathers. Therefore say thou unto them, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Turn ye unto me, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will turn unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. Be ye not as your fathers, unto whom the former prophets have cried, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Turn ye now from your evil ways and from your evil doings. But they did not hear, nor hearken unto me, saith the Lord. Your fathers, where are they? And the prophets, do they live forever? But my words and my statutes, which I commanded my servants the prophets, did they not take hold of your fathers? And they returned and said, Like as the Lord of hosts thought to do unto us, 
according to our ways and according to our doings, so hath he dealt with us. The eight night visions that the Lord gives to the prophet Zechariah follow, these are quick little bits of information that are there to encourage and exhort God's people to what comes next in the book of Zechariah. First one, starting in chapter 1, verses 7 to chapter 823 is where the visions are. The first one we see in chapter 1 is, By night a man riding upon a red horse, and behind him were red horses, speckled and white. Prophecy goes on to explain what these mean. It says, these are they whom the Lord has sent to walk to and fro through the earth. Chapter, verse 10. Verse 14. I, the Lord, am jealous for Jerusalem and for Zion with a great jealousy. Verse 16. My house shall be built and a line shall be stretched forth upon Jerusalem. Verse 17. The Lord shall yet comfort Zion and shall yet choose Israel. Uh, Jerusalem. So we see that God is active in his world, dealing with his people. He's jealous over the land and again desires just like Haggai desired through the Lord to see the temple rebuilt. Second night vision, verses 18 to 21, we see four horns. Verse 19 explains that these horns have scattered Judah, Israel, and Jerusalem, i.e. where the dispersion occurred. But we see in verses 20 and 21, there are four carpenters. Though the horns have scattered Judah, verse 21, the carpenters are come to cast out the horns of the Gentiles, which lifted up their horn over the land of Judah to scatter it. So it's in God's plan to stop the scattering, and the Lord is then looking to restore his people back to his land. The third night vision, chapter 2, verse 1, a man with a measuring line in his hand. Verse 2 of chapter 2 says, I go to measure Jerusalem. Verse 4, Jerusalem shall be inhabited for the multitude of men and cattle therein. Verse 10 of chapter 2. Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion, for I come and will dwell in the midst of thee. And verse 11. Many nations shall be joined to the Lord in that day and shall be my people. So a restoration of Jerusalem, not only for the Jews, but for all people to come and rejoice in the Lord. The fourth night, night vision Chapter 3, verse 1, we see Joshua, the high priest, and Satan standing to resist him. Chapter 3, verse 4, the Lord says, I have caused thine, i.e. Joshua's, iniquity to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with change of raiment. Chapter 3, verse 8, I, this is the Lord of hosts, will bring forth my servant, the branch, 
and all capitals, this is the Messiah, foreshadowing of him. And chapter three, verse nine, I will remove the iniquity of that land, i.e. Israel, in one day. And we'll see what that day is shortly in the book of Zechariah. So part of the, the mission of Messiah was to come and remove iniquity. And he's coming in person to do that. Night vision number five, chapter four, verses two and three. We see a candlestick, all of gold, with a bowl upon the top of it, and two olive trees by it. Chapter four, verse nine says, Zerubbabel, he's the high priest at this current time when Zechariah is writing, Zerubbabel has laid the foundation of this house. His hands also shall also finish it. Chapter four, verse 10, talks about the candlestick's seven lamps. It says, these are the eyes of the Lord which run through the earth. So not only is the Lord active in what is going on in the earth, his eyes are going over the earth. He is seeing everything that is going on. And who are the olive trees? Chapter four, verses 11 and 12. Two olive trees, which through the two golden pipes empty the golden oil. And chapter four, verse 14 says, these are the anointed ones that stand by the Lord of the whole earth. And these are not the two witnesses in Revelation. These appear to be two people that are living at the time of Zechariah. They would be Zerubbabel and then Joshua the priest. The next night vision, a flying roll, chapter five. Chapter five, verse three indicates that the flying roll, this is the curse that goeth forth over the face of the whole earth. Everyone that stealeth, that sweareth, shall be cut off as on that side according to it. So just as a piece of paper has two sides, the righteous are on one side of it, the wicked are on the other side of it, and the flying roll divides the two, one from the other. The next night vision, we see an ephah, a talent of lead, and a woman that sitteth in the midst of the ephah, chapter five, verses six and seven. And the Lord states in verse eight of chapter five, that this is wickedness. Then two women with wings lifted up the ephah to build it in house in the land of Shinar. Shinar is another word for Mesopotamia. And it shall be established and set there upon her own base. I think we saw a little of this in the book of Revelation. We had a political Babylon in Jerusalem and we had an economic Babylon over in Mesopotamia. And this appears to be the economic Babylon over there in Mesopotamia, full of wickedness, again, according to verse eight of chapter five. The eighth night vision, chapter six, verse one. There came four chariots out from between two mountains. 
Verses two and three talk about in the first chariot were red horses, in the second were black horses, in the third, white horses, and in the fourth, grizzled and bay horses. And the Lord, through Zechariah, indicates in verse five of chapter six, these are the four spirits of the heavens which go forth before the Lord of all the earth. So these four horses, these spirits, do the Lord's bidding throughout the earth. His plan is unfolding. These are his instruments. Any questions about the night visions? I want to do that quickly, but you can look that at your, at your own. All right, let's continue. We're going to look at Messiah, the branch. Is there a reader for chapter 6, verses 12 to 14? Chapter 6, 12 to 14. Brother Dave? So verses 12 to 14 indicate that Messiah, the branch, will grow up out of his, Joshua's place. He'll be, he'll be a priest. He, the branch, shall build the temple of the Lord. So he'll be instrumental in rebuilding the future temple. He, the branch, shall rule upon his throne, and he shall be a priest upon his throne. Verse 13 and there'll be crowns distributed, and there'll be a memorial in the temple of the Lord, verse 14. So a beautiful picture of the coming Messiah in chapter six. We'll move along now down to chapter seven. Verse five indicates in the fourth year of King Darius, in the fourth day of the ninth month, when he fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh month, even those 70 years, did ye at all fast unto me, even to me? And that's the Lord of hosts talking. They didn't. The 70 years are reference to the time in the captivity. Continue down in verses 9 to 10 of chapter 7. The Lord wants his people to execute true judgment, to show mercy and compassions, to oppress not the widow, nor the fatherless, the stranger, nor the poor, and to imagine not evil against his brother in your heart. But verse 11 indicates that they refused to hearken, they pulled away the shoulder, they stopped their ears that they should not hear. They made their hearts as an adamant stone, verse 12, therefore came a great wrath from the Lord of hosts. Verse 14 indicates that the Lord of hosts scattered them among all the nations whom they knew not. Thus the land was desolate after them. Why? Down to chapter 8, verse 1. The Lord was jealous for Zion with great jealousy. Chapter 8, verse 7. Behold, I will save my people from the east and from the west country. Chapter 8, verse 8. They shall be my people, and I will be their God in truth and in righteousness. Chapter 8, verse 13, the Lord says, I will save you, and ye shall be a blessing. Fear not, but be strong. Down to verse 19, the fast shall be to the house of Judah joy 
and gladness and cheerful fast, feasts. And verses 20 to 23, the people will go with you to seek the Lord of hosts, for we have heard that God is with you. So the people start off with some issues. The Lord is jealous over his land, restores the people, brings peace and truth into the land, and the nations of the world also join in in the worship of God. Chapter 9. We look at the burden of the Lord, the burden of the word of the Lord, when the eyes of man, as of all the tribes of Israel, shall be toward the Lord. Chapter 9, verse 1. We talked before that the land of Israel was surrounded by nations that were unfriendly. Here the Lord indicates that he will deal with some of them. Chapter 9, verse 4. The Lord will cast her, Tyrus, or the island city of Tyre, out, and he will smite her power in the sea. Chapter 9, verse 6. I will cut off the pride of the Philistines. They were a seafaring people that lived along the coast of the Mediterranean, just to the west of Israel. Chapter 9, verse 8, the Lord says, I will encamp about mine house, and no oppressor shall pass through them anymore. The Lord is getting personal in dealing with the Lord coming to protect his people. And then, Chapter 9, verse 9, another look at Messiah. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation. Let me read, let me read the whole thing here. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. We see that verse quoted as fulfilled prophecy in the New Testament in Matthew chapter 21, verse 5, and John chapter 12, verse 15. The triumphal entry of the Lord Jesus Christ at the end of his ministry this is the prophecy that was fulfilled. He came into the city of Jerusalem on the colt. And remember all the people at that point were praising his coming, throwing their palm branches into the street before his feet, rejoicing at the coming of what they thought would be the king. But he was not coming to be the king. He was coming to be the savior. And the people very quickly turned against him. We go down to chapter 9, verse 12. We see the Lord saying, Turn you to the stronghold, ye prisoners of hope. Verse 14, the Lord God shall blow with the trumpet. Chapter 9, verse 15, the Lord of hosts shall defend them. Verse 16, the Lord their God shall save them in that day as the flock of his people. And verse 17, 
How great is his goodness and how great is his beauty. Going down to chapter 10, moving a little bit in time frame. Verse 1, ask ye of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. Chapter 10, verse 2, the idols have spoken vanity and the diviners have seen a lie. Chapter 10, verse 3, mine anger was kindled against the shepherds and I punished the goats. Chapter 10, verse 6, the Lord says, I will strengthen the house of Judah, save the house of Joseph, bring them again to place them. And he lists some things that he's going to do to his people next. Number one, he will have mercy upon them. His people shall be as though I had not cast them off, the Lord says. The Lord says, I am the Lord their God and will hear them. Call that when they were in disobedience, the Lord stopped listening to them because they weren't talking to him anyway. They were talking to their idols. But the Lord says he's going to renew hearing their prayers. Chapter 10, verses 7 and 8, Ephraim, which is the northern part up in Israel, Ephraim shall rejoice in the Lord, for I have redeemed them. They once were his, they strayed, the Lord buys them back. He redeems them. Chapter 10, verse 10, I will bring them out of Egypt, gather them out of Assyria, bring them into the land of Gilead and Lebanon. And along with this, chapter 10, verse 11, the pride of Assyria will be brought down and the scepter of Egypt shall depart away. And the Lord, in verse 12 of chapter 10, I will strengthen them in the Lord and they shall walk up and down in his name, saith the Lord. Still with me? Moving quickly. We'll slow down a little bit when we get to the end. I really want to stress the Lord Jesus Christ, his aspect of Messiah, because that's coming up. Let's go down to chapter 11. I want to look at the middle section here. We have in verse 7, two staves are mentioned, one called beauty and the other one called bands, and I want to just spend some time here. Beauty and bands. Someone want to read for me chapter 11? Read the second half of verse 7 through verse 14. Okay, we'll start in verse 14 there, and I'll go back up to the middle part. He cuts asunder bands that he might break the brotherhood between Judah and Israel, i.e. the separation of Israel occurred. We had the northern and the southern half. It used to be under Solomon, one country. It will be after everything is done, one country. But because of their disobedience, it became two. If you go back up a little bit farther, Look at verse 12 and 13 again. Who'd they weigh for his price 30 pieces of silver? Where do we see that 
reference in the New Testament. Jesus' betrayal. Judas took the 30 pieces of silver to, to betray the Lord Jesus Christ. And verse 13, who took the 30 pieces of silver, cast them to the potter in the house of the Lord, i.e., who bought the potter's field with the 30 pieces of silver? That was the money that Judas had. He'd thrown it down, and the officials of the day took the money and bought the potter's field. So this is clearly a reference to the Lord Jesus Christ in his first coming when he was betrayed and eventually went to the cross. So if we back up a little bit, this is the section under verse 10 talking about the staff beauty being broken. How did the people of Israel deal with the Lord Jesus Christ at his first coming? Did they accept him? No, they didn't. They broke the covenant that God had with them. They rejected the Lord Jesus Christ in his first coming. So I, I look upon this as being a reference to Christ, Messiah came, presented himself as the savior, and his people rejected him, i.e. beauty was broken, his beauty. All right, let's go a little farther, and we'll continue in the book of Zechariah. Go down to chapter 12, verse 1, we're looking at the burden of the word of the Lord for Israel. Burden's not generally a good thing. Israel has not been doing well, so this is probably not going to be good for Jerusalem, for Israel. Verses 2 and 3, all that burden themselves with it, i.e. Judah and Jerusalem, shall be cut in pieces, though all the people of the earth be gathered together against it. Oh, the Lord's got his interest back to his people here. Whoever is going against his people, the nation of Israel, the Lord's gonna deal with them, cut them in pieces. It says, though all the earth be gathered together against it, the Lord's bigger, he can deal with it. All right, a little farther. Chapter 12, verse six. Jerusalem shall be inhabited again in her own place. Hmm. Chapter 12, verse seven. The Lord shall save the tents of Judah first. He'll concentrate on the southern kingdom, bringing that back. Chapter 12, verse 8. In that day shall the Lord defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Again, he's getting per personally involved in their defense. Chapter 12, verse 9. In that day, I, this is the Lord, will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. Hmm, getting better. Chapter 12, verse 10. I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplications. Blessings are coming now. Grace again or unmerited favor. So they're getting blessings that they don't deserve. Interesting. Now look at the next verse here. The next section of chapter 12, verse 10. They shall look upon me whom they have pierced. Who got pierced? 
Lord Jesus Christ. If you go to John chapter 19, verse 37, it's a literal quote of, they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. And continuing in verse 10, they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. When he first came, they rejected the Lord Jesus Christ adamantly. Now they're looking to him in a different light. He's restoring them back to their land. He's giving them blessings that they don't deserve. They're starting to realize who he is and what he means to them. They're starting to turn. Go down to chapter 13, starting in verse 1. In that day, there shall be a great mourning in Jerusalem, and the land shall mourn every family apart. I'm sorry. Chapter 13. In that day, there shall be a fountain open to the house of David and to his inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. We talk about fountains, water flowing, blessings flowing like water. Things are becoming purified, sin being cleaned away, uncleanness being removed. Chapter 13, verse 2. I, this is the Lord of hosts, will cut off the names of the idols out of the land. This was the one big major super sin that God's people were involved in all through the time of the kings, all through the time of the restoration, was idolatry. The Lord's dealing with it now. Chapter 13, verses 2 and 3. I will cause the prophets and the unclean spirit to pass out of the land, for thou speakest lies in the name of the Lord. All through the times of the prophets, we only had a few good ones. Most of them spoke lies. They spoke from their own heart, from their own dreams. They spoke what the people wanted to hear, not what the Lord wanted the people to hear. God's going to deal with that. Those prophets, the unclean spirit that was in place, is going to be taken away. Chapter 13, verse 6. These wounds are those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. Who is this referring to again? Jesus Christ again. His own people were the ones that really did the, the damage to him. Rome and their soldiers may have been instruments, but it was God's people who rejected him. Verse seven of chapter 13, smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered. He was the good shepherd. He was smitten. The sheep were scattered. But the Lord's in control. Chapter 13, verse 9, I will bring the third part through the fire and will refine them as silver and try them as gold. This reference is often seen in scripture Purification of oneself is analogized to metal going into the furnace to take out the impurities and to make it pure silver, pure gold. And that's what he can do with a life when he has got it in his hands. It says, they shall call 
on my name, I will hear them. I will say, it is my people, and they shall say, the Lord is my God. Quite, quite intense blessings here from where we started in the book of Zechariah with their faults. The final chapter of the book of Zechariah, chapter 14, is a synopsis of this day of the Lord that we've looked at so many, so many times already in the prophecy books. It's a day of judgment followed by a time of blessing and restoration. This is the big day. We've seen littler days coming up to this point, but this is the big day that's talked about in the book of Revelation when all things are gonna be made right. All things are gonna be made pure and clean. We see that reference again, chapter 14, first verse. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh. Let's go down through this and look at, look at these points. I think these are very important. Chapter 14, verse two. The Lord says he's gonna gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. So all the enemies of the Lord are gonna be brought out into the open with their battle gear ready. The city shall be taken, the house rifled, the women ravaged, half of the city shall go forth into captivity. But, verse three, then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations. Chapter 14, verse four, his feet shall stand upon the Mount of Olives before Jerusalem on the east. Who? Lord Jesus Christ. Where did he leave this world when he went to heaven after the crucifixion and the time on earth? Where is the spot he left earth from? Mount of Olives. And again, this is the place he returns to when the end times come to their fruition. The Mount of Olives, according to Zechariah, will cleave in the midst. There shall be a very great valley. Half of the mountain shall remove toward the north and half toward the south. So it's gonna be a very important earth attention gathering event. Not only does he come and put his feet down on the mountain, but the mountain splits in two due to his might, his power, who he is, the Lord Jesus Christ coming. Chapter 14, verse five, the Lord my God shall come and all the saints with thee. We see in Revelation when the Lord Jesus Christ makes his appearance, all the saints in heaven come with him on their horses, white horses, and the Antichrist, Satan, are stopped in their tracks, placed into the, Satan is placed into the bottomless pit for a thousand years, and the millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ begins. Chapter 14, verse eight talks about in that day, living waters shall go out from Jerusalem. And we see references in the book of Revelation, chapter 22, a little bit later, where a pure river of water of life will proceed out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. These are essentially the life-giving blessings of the Lord Jesus Christ and God being poured out upon not only his people, 
but upon the earth as well. Because remember that not only is man under sin, but all creation was placed under sin as well. When Adam and Eve fell, the curse was placed on the entire world. So they're going to get relief too. In that day shall there be one Lord, verse 9, and his name one. Jerusalem shall be in safely inhabited, chapter 14, verse 11. Verse 12, the Lord will smite all the people that have fought against Jerusalem. Judah also, verse 14, shall fight at Jerusalem. And the wealth of all the heathen round about shall be gathered together in great abundance. Verse 16, everyone that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. The punishment of all nations that came not up to keep the feast will occur. There should be no rain, verses 17 through 19. To have someone to read chapter 14, verses 20 and 21, finishing up the prophecy. 20 and 21? Yes, ma'am. Thank you. In that day, all the bells of the horses will say holiness unto the Lord. My Bible has it all capitalized to emphasize we're dealing with deity here, that things are going to be really, really well during this time. The Lord will make everything holy because his presence is holy. Whatever is around him, whatever he touches becomes holy. The end of verse 20 there. Every pot in Jerusalem and Judah shall be holiness unto the Lord of hosts. All that sacrifice shall come and take of them. In that day there shall be no more the Canaanite in the house of the Lord of hosts. This is a reference to cleanness. There will be no more uncleanness in God's land. Everything will be made clean. Everything will be made right. Revelation chapter 21 verses 2 and 10 talk about the holy city of Jerusalem. Revelation 21 verse 27 says that no anything that defileth or worketh abomination or maketh a lie will be found anymore in Jerusalem. Everything will be made right. So there, oof. there's 14 chapters of Zechariah, quite a progression of information to lean here but it, like most of the prophecies they start out a little bit harsh and they end quite beautifully at the end any thoughts questions comments on the book of Zechariah <laughs>